Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Divided Films, the podcast where we talk about movies that audiences and critics do not agree on. I'm JJ and with me as always is my loyal co-host Keith. Hello! And returning to the podcast, we're very excited to welcome back Dan Conroy. Hi, everybody. Hey, guys. How you doing? Good, good. Great. Welcome back, Well, I'm so happy to be back, guys. Thank you for having me. This is the absolute best. How are you all out there, divided filmios, film film heads? What do you call them? What are your fans? (laughs) You know what? We've yet to assign a name, so let's make that our working start there. Okay, cool. Divided... Wait, what did you say? Divided filmios? Decide. I said filmios, but there's so many names. I was thinking dividends. I don't know why that doesn't really make dividends. a lot of sense. Dividends. Uh, whatever. Yeah, it doesn't <laughs> mean anything. Hello, this... dividends. Hello, dividends. None of this matters. I uh, love that. <laughs> oh my god, that's totally a thing now. Oh, that's yours. If, even if no one else likes it, I love it. So like, uh, that's now what we're gonna call them. Oh, the awesome. dividends. Our, <laughs> our t-shirts will be available at the end of the yes. year. Yes, guys, get on the Patreon. I'm sure we'll make new sales. Okay, so today we are talking about uh, the 2004 adventure movie National Treasure um, starring Nicolas Cage. Uh, This movie falls into the category of having a negative score with critics and a positive score with audiences. On Rotten Tomatoes, it has 46% approval from the critics, 76% approval from the audiences so 30 percent difference there and the critics consensus national treasure is no treasure but it's a yeah. fun ride <laughs> oh come on like they love to do the wordplay there even if it's cringy uh national treasure is no treasure but it's a fun ride for those who can forgive its highly improbable plot um so uh, i think that's a predictable divide definitely seems like a movie that you know audiences particularly like maybe like families would enjoy way more than like critics who are like you know usually the logic police understandably so with a movie like this um i mean the the word that pops out to me in that consensus is improbable i mean you know at times i dare say ludicrous <laughs> preposterous yeah um so um you know that's probably like a big focus in this movie is just like how insane you know these plot points are i mean dan just for starters you know i know you you know history is one of your areas of expertise i'm a fan of it and um you know just from your perspective like how many times watching this movie were you just thinking to yourself like oh my god come on you know i gotta give it to bruckheimer and disney for really giving me a goddamn civics lesson in the middle of like an action adventure film like it's it, it they just sort of run on like the most basic and I'm not trying to be like a weird snob about what someone doesn't or does know in history. It's like knowing science or math or anything else. But it, it very much is like the little American history lessons that we've all gotten in school. And now it's been like compounded into an action film, like like slammed into our brains over and over. Like Ben Franklin in Philadelphia and and uh, or some of the other pieces. Oh, like going to the National Archives and learning these pieces. Like it just it just felt like a little bit like it was sponsored by the Schoolhouse Rock songs a little bit. Yeah. And, and yeah. yeah. There were, there were like little lessons peppered throughout that was like, oh, great, here we go. As if like, 
yeah, this was um, some school assignments that got like a huge budget or something. And I was like, oh, do you know who came up with the idea for daylight savings? You know, little things like that. I'm like, okay, we know, we know. And it surely uh, does. They don't, they don't say it ever, but it really does play into like the sheer, like you said, improbability, JJ. It just, it just really plays into like the most aluminum foil hat wearing of like conspiracy theories about Freemasonry and how all of the founding fathers would all like get together and preserve this what four th- uh no like five six thousand year old treasure from like multiple nations and ancient egyptian artifacts surprising direction for disney to go the illuminati route for a movie that's what i was like oh wow they like i, f- I forgot it this was a disney and, and not to get like too deep into it from the top but there was even i think a scene somewhere in the in near the end where riley makes a joke about aliens having helped make all the big things like the pyramids and stuff and like scoffing it but i'm just like Mm -hmm. oh so you're gonna like you know shit on this one theory but the one we're playing out for reels in front of us is just fine huh (laughs) i don't know yeah (laughs) i just say riley was kind of we'll get into this but riley was a kind of a dick you know like when someone else throws out a suggestion he's like that was stupid what a what a real (laughs) what a real dingus the whole friggin' time it's like, all right, if you're looking for, like, a $10 billion treasure that winds up being buried underneath, like, the Trinity Church in New York, like, there's no stupid suggestions. Yeah, exactly. Um, like, I, f- I found this on the clock of a $100 bill. Stop giving me your catchphrases, okay? Um, so, uh, I, I mean, it is, it is, I guess, a fun movie, right? Like, that's kind of the whole idea. I mean, this is, like, Jerry Bruckheimer production, right? Like... The guy is all about fun and, you know, very short on logic. We've seen from a lot of other movies from this production uh, company. So I guess it's like to be expected to be fair. Like if you go into this kind of know with the right expectations, you're pretty much going to get what you're expecting. Right. I mean, there's nothing really that, um, you know, I I want to say it's like totally predictable. But yeah, that's kind of is. What do you think, Keith? I'm surprised I have a lot to say about this film, but I guess it's going it, to... I'm so excited. It all comes down to, like, good-ish, question mark? Fine? Uh, I I actually brought this up, like, hey, to, like, coworkers and my parents. I'm like, hey, I'm doing... We're going to be doing National Treasure next. And they're like, oh, wow, that I love that. That's divided. I really enjoy that movie. And I'm yeah. like, really? Like, when's the... And my, my first question was, like, when was the last time you watched it? Hmm. Because I was, I loved. I think uh, in this, this must have come out in like the summer of two thousand four. I really yeah. enjoyed this movie, and then watching it again, I it's a roller coaster of like it's fun and then it's really boring at times. Mm-hmm. It's uneven. Yeah. to me. Well, it's also, it, it, there's there's a lot that I want to say about it's, it. It's it's kind of I mean yeah you're right. There are times where it's like you know there is some good uh, suspense you know there's some thrills there, but then also it can get a little preachy at times. You know it's very like rah rah American. You know it's like oh you know the founding fathers they committed treason, so you know that justifies what I'm doing. Or the moment where they're on you know uh, they're in the uh, where in Philadelphia the um, Independence Hall used to be. Uh, yeah, yeah, Independence Hall and like. You know, he has that moment, you know, Nick Cage, where he's like, ah, oh, the last time this was in here. Right. He's getting signed. Which like, is not oh, true. America. America. Yeah, that's not even true. Like, the, I think they put it back in for the centennial. So, like, I, I read uh, about that. I'm, yeah, 1876, they put it back. Uh, don't, anyone who is super into history and reading Wikipedia right now on this podcast, please don't comment of how wrong I am. But I think it was, I think it was the centennial. So, he was wrong on that one um, as well. And, and agreeing with what you were saying, Keith uh, and JJ as well. This had 
all of the elements of the most of the of the bit largest budgeted made for Di- uh, TV movie Disney Channel original movie. Like it really mm-hmm. felt like this could have been a Disney Channel original movie that also happened to get like two hundred and fifty million dollars for their budget. Um, it, well, you go gold with Brockheimer. You go for like the biggest. Like he must have made a sweet deal with Disney because the year before, of course, was. Uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. I almost, right? which I'm, mm-hmm. I'm starting to realize a lot about Brockheimer. It's not that he's a, he definitely has a style of producing, but if you get like the right director and you need basic plot, standard plot, and that's what Pirates of the Caribbean without a larger than life character is kind of like it, uh, Captain Jack Sparrow was supposed to be a British guy and, and Johnny Depp comes in and you know, really kind of Keith Richards is up and kind of saves the film and makes it this special thing. Right. If it, if uh, Pirates of the Caribbean went its original route, it would have just been regular. It would have been how I feel about this. Right. And ironically enough, it, the this movie needed a character that was larger than life because all the characters were boring. Yeah. All the characters sucked. Well, but, and, yeah. but the, you have the one actor who is larger than life, Nicolas Cage, and he is like neutral in this right yeah nick cage is like very uh subdued in this movie which i'm not sure if you want that or not i mean he's like you know he's fun to watch give and take if anything even when i first first watching this when it came out years ago uh i would get a little annoyed with how like cocky and know-it-all he was you know it's like he's the guy who knows everything it gets a little annoying at times um you know just how like pompous he he gets uh but you're, you're right i mean I, I'm not sure if, you know, they really fleshed out these characters at all. I mean, it is more of a plot-based story than anything else. But did you guys know, I was look, looking at the cast, and the names of the characters just kind of more kind of just drive in this, like, America rah-rah sort of thing. So the full name of Nick Cage's character is Benjamin Franklin Gates. The father, John Voight's character, Patrick Henry Gates. And the grandfather, John Adams Gates, like, all right, already, like, what kind, like, it's it's not the conspiracy element that would annoy me about this family, it's just, like, how, like, you know, we get it with the patriotism here, you know, like, every, every name has to be a founding father's name. There is so much flag wearing, uh, flag waving patriotism, not flag wearing, because that's, I think, illegal, but there is a lot of flag waving patriotism in this movie, like, real, like, love for one's uh, colonial heritage and the fight we took. And and it's so evident in even the, um, you know, Christopher Plummer, who I, I was bringing so much emotion in the beginning as John Adams Gates, um, talking about how they had to keep the secret of the treasure from the British. And in the movie, I wouldn't you guess it, we're constantly keeping it from the British antagonist. Aren't we right? Right. We had to get a British villain, of course. Of this, course you yeah. did. Yeah, and have to as keep it from them. As if there weren't enough allusions to the American Revolution. Um, exactly. You, know, so you, bring in, you bring in Sean Bean, who's not really threatening at all as a villain. Um, He's toast. He's white toast. Who can, like all like none of these characters are interesting. No, they're no. not. He doesn't, and- even, he doesn't have like really uh, a memorable sort of persona about it. I mean, none of them do. But as a villain, you know, he's not really that slimy. He just like. An, he's greedy. Yeah, he's just an opportunist. Like, I want the gold. Although yeah. you know he's he's very um, 
Yeah, he's he like almost immediately he's really confident about being able to steal the Declaration of Independence. Yeah, like, yeah, it's no problem. I can do it. In a past <laughs> okay. life, he said something like that. Like in a past life, I was uh, known for these sort of like illegal activities. And it's like, what? What do you mean by that at all? And I, I yeah, will. It's so vague. <laughs> there was one point because I was rewatching a little bit of the beginning when they meet Abigail Chase, the archivist from the National Archives, and there yeah. was this moment where like I sort of understood like. Nicolas Cage very fairly gets a lot of flack for his acting style in a lot of his movies and for a very good reason. This movie, it didn't feel... He was boring. I totally agree. But it was one of those things where, like, it felt right with his character because he's sort of this treasure hunter dreamer. All he thinks about all day are these, like, cryptic messages and how to work... um, I, the, the, The How does the pipe have the codex in it? And so, like, I can see him being like that, like a little emotionalist. But then every other character kind of also doesn't give emotion... So it's like, where is this all come? Like, I'm. You're right. Like, it gets very boring very quick. You needed a Jack Sparrow. You yes. needed some. You you needed some quirky treasure hunter with one eye or one leg or both. Yeah. Or like the, the most or like a third leg. <laughs> you needed an a pirate from back in time. The, the, and yeah. but it, it's a give and take with Nicolas Cage for me because there are times I'm like. You know, I would really want him to go just in vampire kiss, insane. He, you know, talk like, you know, I want him to repeat the Declaration of Independence in song. Yeah, I and and then I'm like, okay, did did he prepare to do that or like did they go like Nick? This is a Disney film; you have to take it back. Mm. And then I'm like, could his craziness ruin the film? And then I'm like, why are we casting Nicolas Cage in this? And granted, I will defend Nick Cage. He's not good. He's not bad. He's interesting, which is a whole category. Right, right. Yeah, and, and you know, he's given some amazing performances. I, I think that just not in this. like the the funny guy is supposed to be Riley, you know, like the sidekick. But he comes across more of as like annoying and, and whiny. You know, like, in yeah. fact, the only times that are really funny is when he's the butt of the joke and people are telling him to shut up. It sort of felt so, like the whole time they were trying to come up with a catchphrase for him and they couldn't get one. So they just like told him to say a bunch throughout the entire movie. And we're just like, oh, one of these will stick. Whether it was like the eagle has landed or I've hacked into the mainframe or whatever, you know, this car smells. Yeah, this <laughs> like, yeah, this car. I'm hungry. Are we there? Like, he's just like or the or in the beginning where the guy suggested prison and he goes Albuquerque. See, I can do it too. snorkel. What? It's a. Ugh. It's not funny. Yeah, I remember finding that pretty funny when I, I get yeah. like I remember laughing during this movie during like a family. Oh yeah, outing of it. Yeah, but and then I grew up. Yeah, <laughs> when I, when we were children, we I think like up. children, act like children. I saw this in theaters yeah. in seventh grade. I thought it was amazing. I walked out like with my uh, a friend of mine at the time, Bryce, and we were just like, yeah, like oh my god, and we were like talking about the. But what were we talking about? Like the action scenes. We weren't talking about like yeah. John Voight's incredible moment when he picks up the Declaration and almost has a heart attack. We were talking oh, about oh. like oh, that was when when that is the most emotional moment up until that point. You know, you've got a problem, and I'm and I John mean, Voight's he incredible, kinda, but he he kind of. It's over quickly. He has one little freak like, oh my god, and he's like, right. oh, come on, guys, you got the declaration. <laughs> it's come like, come on, it's he's like, some... like, he's like a disappointed parent, not like horrified. Right, he's like, like, damn it, son, he, he, <laughs> why'd you have to do that? He gave the same emotion as if his son was a college kid and he left a keg in the bathtub. He was like, ah, oh, you yeah. stole the Declaration of Independence. It'll just be another clue. Boys will be boys. Hate... Boys will be boys. Come on, there's no uh, invisible map on the back of the Declaration of Independence. That's clever, really. 
A document of that importance would ensure the map's survival. And you said there were several masons signed it, yeah? Yeah. Nine for sure. We'll have to arrange a way to examine it. <clears throat> this is one of the most important documents in history. They're not just going to let us waltz in there and run chemical tests on it. And what do you propose we do? I don't know. We could borrow it. Steal it? I'd hate to be the bad guy in saying this. And one, I was surprised. Come on, do hate to be, you hate the... to be the Sean Bean? I hate to be the Sean Bean. Um, do it. I'll say, uh, but I do believe that the, the only reason this movie is still relevant today is just one meme. And it's just Nick Cage stealing a Declaration of Independence. That's the, that's the only reason yeah. this movie is even brought up. Mm -hmm. or, like, Because people go like, hey, let's watch it. And then you're quickly on your cell phone or doing something else. That's how I that, like. And you're watching during the action scenes. I actually Brockheimer knows action and he does it very well. But yeah, it well, this movie. I'm surprised it came up very quickly in yeah. like within the first 10 minutes. It's like, yeah, I guess I got to steal the Declaration of Independence. Yeah. I'm like, oh, wow, that's it. That's I your only that's fast. your only option. Um, you know, the action scenes are like pretty exciting. But I would say that at times they're almost like a little too intense, given like that this is essentially like a history race in a sense. Like you have two groups of people chasing, like chasing for historical artifacts, and they're like shooting at each other. And you have like the woman Abigail Chase like like flying like off a door into traffic and stuff. And I'm like, all right, this is like not like at that level of like an adult action movie. At, at times, it almost felt like a diehard movie or something. I'm like, guys, like. You're looking for historical artifacts. Come uh, yeah. Down. And I don't know what the production was like on this movie post Pirates of the Caribbean, Curse of the Black Pearl. But there were like a lot of moments where it clearly felt like, OK, we need to not recreate that magic. But in, in the Bruckheimer verse, we've sort of got a, a method for what is really popular right now, like what the genre is with, you know, between the, the, the flame chandelier and the sort of epic music, which I learned they did take a little bit from Pirates of the Caribbean and sort of the action sequences. It, 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 I, it made me wonder as I was watching it this time around, like, Oh, were they taking like a little note from Pirates of the Caribbean trying to keep that same like swashbuckling energy um, but we're implementing it into modern times, looking for the Declaration of Independence, which is not like a pirate film at all. But, yeah, you know, you try. Well, there is there is some like, I guess, like the idea like a lot of the pirates of the Caribbean actions are like these set pieces that have some sort of like twist to the action. Like they're in a spinning yeah. wheel or something or they're on bounce beams or something. In this case, you know, they're like in these kind of like crazy predicaments, you know, with like uh, these clues. So when. You know, there. I guess there's no like twist to the action, but there's just a lot of like levels to it. You know, it's because that's like the heist aspect to it, right? They're, yeah. They're they're you know like they're taking you through step by step. It's almost like Mission Impossible, actually, yeah. when they're stealing the declaration. You know, um, all the different steps they have to take, and you it's know, got a very Ocean's Eleven vibe to it. Yeah, yeah. The fingerprints and guessing the password and all that stuff. But here's an idea: maybe to stop someone from stealing the Declaration of Independence. Don't leave it alone. Like, I I get that there's a lot of other security, but someone should be in the room what, at least at all times. What universe do we live in where there is this little security in any part of any public building, especially historic ones with priceless documents? And 
you know, not to go too much into this little aspect, but this is also post 9-11. You cannot tell me that there is not security on every level of these historic places for the greater security of both the documents and the people. I even read that this was the first movie to be shot in Independence Hall, which I might be incorrect about, but I, I, I think I, that might have been accurate. They were iffy about it. I remember, mm. the re like, because, like, you can't shoot, like, I... We should. I should have posted that fact. I only posted two facts that this movie was like written by nine people. <laughs> the rough cut was like four hours long. You mean and the you good mean guys the perfect? And, as we learned from, I was yeah, just gonna say, yeah. as we learned from Armageddon, the perfect number of people to have. The more, the better. Yeah. <laughs> now, yeah, actually, that's kind of we, we didn't plan on it, but yeah, nine people rewrote wrote this script, and it. I don't want to come to this, but I guess I have to come to this movie's defense in some way. A, it's improbable. I'm not going to defend the plot, but I will defend the plot because I this th it's the thing that's holding the movie together. I do like movies like this. I and you don't get movies like this anymore. Totally. It does fall in line with The Mummy and of course Indiana Jones, Uncharted. Those like un uh, I, like the yeah the plot is as improbable as it gets. Is the thing that I'm like oh yeah like. It's creative to a point. Like, I'm along for the ride that they're putting me in. Well, I think they come up with some interesting, like, clues and things to have to figure out. Like, okay, the Independence Hall shadow pointing to a brick that has bifocals in it. Like, that's insane. But I guess it's kind of fun to figure it out. And I guess given real life things like what the actual time is on a hundred dollar bill like use that in your plot you know like use things that actually exist yeah to create like a little puzzle for the characters to have to figure out and as an audience member for the first time it was kind of fun to follow them along so i can see like you know like a family like all kind of like trying to figure it out together as the characters are like that element to it i i do think they had some fun like little things to discover yeah like the movie. I, on like a base on a base level childhood understanding of like treasure hunting and problem solving it's very fun like that um you know it, it's it's one of those things where because you you asked me at the top jj about historical inaccuracies and if you want to get into like you know the the lack of re of creation of time zones in the 1700s or how we were still huh. working on solar time if you're going to get into that like minutia then yeah you're you're going to be angry like i was the end of, for a lot of this movie <laughs> but you're right like for families and just for the most base level like i want the action i sort of i, I want the aesthetic of solving the riddle and not the actual like homework of working the riddle. And I understand that. I enjoy that too. I, I enjoyed it with this movie when I first saw it in seventh grade. And there was a part of me to the movie's defense that I still enjoyed as a 28 year old man. I still enjoyed that because if you don't think too hard about it, it is still kind of fun to watch them like come together about it, except for the first riddle. Do we all notice that it took him 30 years to uncover the whole Charlotte riddle, but the other ones get solved in like 15 minutes. Huh. Yeah, that's he, true. He, it's like the one on the boat, the one on the boat. He solves like he kind of solves the way like, like it, like Rain Man solves things. Like yeah. wait a minute, P pipe, the pipe. I go and see the pipe. Like it, like it's it, like how Jeff Goldblum solves in like Independence Day. I said to my, it's, it's like, yeah, I said to myself yeah. that was um that was Nicholas Cage in real time like learning his lines and they just filmed them. <laughs> so they're just like, <laughs> just just keep this rolling. It'll be great for the character. Yeah, it was there was a few like leaps in logic that I feel like no normal person would be able to come to, uh, you know, in that in that deciphering that first clue and coming like, oh, it's the declaration. It has to be the Declaration of Independence. Sure. Um, in terms of the feel of this movie, 
Like there is, you know, that kind of formulaic sort of like construction of a movie that is like so quintessential in this movie that you see in other like Bruckheimer movies, just like the feel of it, you know, like the, for example, the music. Yeah. Really keeps you going a lot. It's very epic. And, and um, you know, this music kind of has that fun sort of like discovery and like, you know, um, you know, moments of discovery kind of music with the light piano and, you know, like moments of learning something and like, you know, having to be clever and stuff like, oh, like, look, look how like smart, like the things in this movie are. And the, the music almost fools you into thinking like there's actually some smart things happening when it's not. And you take the music away and it's probably more obvious how like ridiculous it all is. Uh, just but from that standpoint alone, you know, not just from the look of the movie, but like just the feel of it, like these Bruckheimer movies, they know what how to make a commercial film you know like yes it just it just feels that way they know how to make like a commercial summer blockbuster which this definitely has to be i, I should have looked this up before but i imagine this is released sometime around like the fourth of july this has to be like you know a big summer fourth of july type movie and it did very well too yeah like it, it like it enough to warrant a sequel and enough for people to still be keep talking about it in some way shape or form mm-hmm. now that disney plus is up and running and all that i did watch this on disney plus as did i there you go little plug for you guys to maybe get some sponsorship money any which way although disney plus gonna have a bone to pick with you uh constantly failing on the ps4 for some reason your schematics on there are not great so figure that shit out guys it's just a baby is gonna come for us (laughs) the mouse is gonna come for us in the back for some reason the back of my microphone just heard (laughs) so nice guy he's on to us yeah um but, yeah, but yeah. you were right. Like it, the um, there was an equation. Like in my head, I thought to myself, they should just call this National Treasure Curse of the Black Pearl because that's how. Yeah. Like there, there was just like I went ahead. Full disclosure, I also watched the second one because of the prompt you guys are going to do a little bit later on. But I watched the second one as well, um, which is even more of an improbable. It's not a dumpster fire. It's like a satellite fire. Like it's just like the like the Earth, like the space above you's on fire because nothing makes sense anymore. But oh, I, I sure I never saw the second one. But I, when I saw that they were making a second one, even at the time, I was like, "You can't do this twice." Like you're lucky it worked even once. To they, do it twice, you're really pushing your luck. And they really shouldn't have because it was just it was in it was absolutely. Now we're looking for a city of gold. But it did. Um, the trailer was good. I, yeah. I remember the reason I was excited for it was the fact that I like uh, between those years, that's when like my I started getting better at knowing movies and actors and everything in between. I'm like, Ed Harris is awesome. He will make a great John Wilkes Booth's great, great grandson. Oh, they're ta- OK. I, I'm intrigued by the mystery. And I just remember being bored by it. If I'm not, like, yeah, it's as insane as it gets. It gets boring too. It 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 definitely tries to add some more. Worse than this one. Yeah, it definitely is. Yeah. And, but there, it's just so they bring you right into the formula. And also watching both really gives me an idea of like the formula of this blockbuster kind of Bruckheimer movie. Like you said, like it's like you know big wide shots everywhere we go of our setting, Washington D.C. and Philadelphia. Um, because we're in that era where like com- we're doing computer hack technology action. Um, each one of the titles, yeah, it's like Washington DC, tip 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 tip. Like it's all like logged in. Oh yeah, in. yeah, that was so big back then. Yeah, yeah we we get that. to look at search engines, which you know gave them a little bit of money, a uh, little bit of product placement everywhere, which is not that big of a deal. But you, I thought that was it. so funny that even like everyone, even like the FBI and the bad guys, they're all just like 
like Googling like the historical facts. You know, no one, no one like here remembers their history class in this movie. So they all have to be like, oh, um, oh, okay. Like the, the do good letters. Uh, who, who remembers that? Who's that like, guy? You know, and then they're on like BenjaminFranklin.com because Wikipedia didn't exist yet. So it was like whatever <laughs> yeah. page you could like get on. Like, oh, cool. We got on, uh, we got on declaration.gov. Oh my god! I did pull up this fun fact that the good guys in the movie use Google and the bad guys use Yahoo search. I was afraid you're gonna say like, know, ask like I found that. I found that so interesting that like I, I wonder how Yahoo felt about that. But I, we're not bad. Well, you know, I think this movie. There's something also about this movie that I feel like it came out at just the right time. So maybe this is like right before like Wikipedia or maybe maybe like before Wikipedia got super reliable. And so this is like before a time where people could like very quickly look up like what is inaccurate about this movie and pick it apart. At the time, probably most people just took it at face value because that wasn't really a thing yet, you know, to just like have people online dissecting every single line and frame of a movie. Do you think um, if this movie had come out in our time, which is the time of escape rooms, People would have figured it out on their own way quicker than they did in 2003. I feel like if like if like, for example, Riley had ever done an escape room, he would have been a lot more useful than he was in this movie, which is to say he was only useful for hacking into computers like they always just show how stupid he is and like how little he knows about history and stuff. Well, that's how my movie, that's how my third movie starts. Like, you know, and it starts with like mysterious sounding music and then it ends with them. The twist is that they're in escape room. Yeah. It's like, I don't know how we can like, pull it's, that off. It's like a, it's like a fake out, you know, it's yeah. like, Ooh, another yeah. intense adventure. Just kidding. It's an escape room. Cause that's a thing now. And then some, uh, some yeah. dead eyed 17 year old has to come in who, cause they hit the, uh, they hit the emergency button. They're like, I guess you were lost. Let us help you. And then they try to give him a clue. It's like, oh, you're lost, Ben. You're losing your touch. You can't even get out of an escape room anymore. All My right. thing for a third movie is, I don't know how, but it has to involve going to outer space. Like, the treasure is That's on the moon, idea. or there's a clue on the moon, and they have to, like, sneak on to, like, the next NASA mission. Like, they see something in that, like, broadcast of the moon landing that's like wait a minute there's a clue to the treasure in here and now they have to go to outer space and find the clue jj if you want to get r really dark with that in a fun way in an indiana jones fun way uh you could be like oh we could go like operation paperclip and yeah i'm going really full conspiracy proven conspiracy theories uh like Werner von braun running nasa still keeping like the nazi regime like we brought over a bunch of Nazis, and that one of the big Nazis was Werner von Braun, who ended up running NASA. Oh no! We ran the moon, so you could have like moon Nazis and stuff like that. It could be like Indiana Jones in space. Am I wrong any on any of this, Dan? Um, in some way, not moon Nazis, of no, course. Moon but. Nazis, one hundred percent correct. They got there. They didn't tell us. Um, but the, uh, out on that one. Iron Sky, like Werner von Braun, had like the German Nazi scar. Oh like, yeah, Iron Sky like, was a, a real film. That was a documentary. Yeah. Um, but, uh, the, uh, JJ to your credit though, um, and I'm sorry for going a little bit off the, uh, off the book here, but in the second movie, they talk about a book, the president's own, and they like mention 1969 going to space, like going to the moon, but they don't mention whether or not we like went to the moon. They don't talk about specifically that conspiracy. So maybe the conspiracy is there's a big ass pot of gold on the moon. <laughs> a pot Who of knows? Gold. I mean, at least le leprechaun moon leprechauns are like. <laughs> then we just go to right to leprechaun four in space. Everything has to go to space eventually. If you're like that, so many sequels deep. Yeah, that's why I brought that idea up. Um, oh, and so, 
Oh, speaking of German, so you know, you have um, that actress uh, who was also Brid- Diane Kruger. I yeah, Diane Kruger, who we also I think know better from *Inglorious Bastards* as Bridget von Hammersmark. Yes. And uh, I was thinking, like, did they cast her and then rewrite the part to be German? Like, because I thought that was oddly specific that they're like, oh, like a German accent, and she's like, yes, like Saxon, whatever. I'm like, oh, so like they. Is there a reason maybe they wrote ahead of time that she was like German? Like what what would be the like purpose of that? Do, do you here's my question like I, I think it was written for her, but then they did this whole weird justification thing that makes like if we're talking patriotism and even getting into nationalism a little bit, then that scene where they meet, her character Abigail Chase meets Riley and Ben and um when he guesses her accent wrong, uh, Pennsylvania Dutch and she says Saxony German, Riley does this little scoff like you're not American. And then she says, yeah. no, I was, I, I was born in America, but raised in, or something like it's immediate born justification. In Germany, yeah. Born in Germany or something. And I'm like, well, like what, why even like bring that up? Like, right. What, what's even the point of that? Cause she's uh, really patriotic enough to collect all of George Washington's campaign buttons. Like that was a except thing. Except for that one. Except for the except one for just missing one, one, one Nick, the one Nick Cage has that he used against her to get her fingerprints all over that keyboard. Still should jerk. marry him. Still should marry him. That clever, clever man. Oh, that was actually one Nick Cage moment, and I'm like, ooh, like we should got more of this. Is when he's at like the gala, and he's like, oh, like if the founding fathers, you know, like if they lost, right, they would have been you know, all the things that would have happened to them, like, like their entrails would have been cut out and burned. Like he has this moment where his eyes kind of bug out a little bit. I'm like, oof, like I bet you like there's a Give bunch of, of that. There's a bunch of more takes throughout the movie that they like didn't use of him kind of like bugging out a little more like that. I'm like, oh man, that would have maybe bumped up the movie more. I was thinking, what if we go public, plaster the story all over the internet? It's not like we have our reputations to worry about. Although I don't think that's exactly gonna scare Ian away. 180 years of searching and I'm three feet away. Of all the words written here about freedom, there's a line that's at the heart of all the others. But when a long train of abuses and usurpations pursuing invariably the same object evinces a design to reduce them under absolute despotism, it is their right, it is their duty to throw off such government and provide new guards for their future security. People don't talk that way anymore. Beautiful. Huh. No idea what you said. I have nothing against the director, uh, John Turtletop, who's and <laughs> what's his done name? Like Turtletop? Turtle Turtletop. Turtletop. I thought you said Turtletop. Any any inspiration from Turtletop. for the Bojack Horseman character, do you think? Uh, you know what? I I <laughs> let me tell you something about Buster Keaton. What? Uh, <laughs> I love going no, he, green. He's he, he he did the he's done like He's a very capable director. He's done. He did the sequel. He did the Meg, Sorcerer's Apprentice, another Brockheimer Cage uh, uh, together thing. That uh, reunion. Thank you. Uh, cool Runnings and Las Vegas. He's a very capable director, and I'm gonna keep going back to what made Curse of the Black Pearl so special. Just because that did come out a year before. It's a Jerry Brockheimer production. It's a Disney production. And it's like you get Gore Verbinski who has vision. This movie would have benefited so much with a director with vision, like a style. Like it's just something like what? that made it pop. 
You think I think Pirates might have had more opportunity for that because it's a a period piece and b there's more fantasy elements to that movie, whereas this. I mean, I guess you can maybe argue that the whole idea of like this gigantic treasure that the founding fathers had had is like a fantasy sort of thing in and of itself. But there's no like supernatural elements. It's it's more of like it's more of like a direct, straightforward um, sort of story, right? I don't know if there's as many sort of opportunities for like you know uh, distinctive like vision as you had in in pirates. I want Indiana Jones. Would beg to disagree. I, I also, a period piece, though. That is also a period piece. I wonder if would have saved this, though, in that respect, would have been pacing, proper pacing, because no element of this yes. movie has proper pacing. I, I, You know, I go back to my comment earlier about how it takes uh, Ben Gates 30 years to figure out the Charlotte thing, but yet every other one gets, like, 15 minutes maybe, and he figures it out, which, you know, is a real standalone there. You'd think he would have been closer. Um I remember the promotions for this movie and, and just literally even, you know, the the elements that we see of the movie, whether we're seeing it on live stream or if you bought the DVD or Blu-ray. If so, please uh, tweet us. Um, but like uh, it's a lot about stealing the Declaration of Independence was essentially the slogan of this whole movie. Like we've got to steal the Declaration of Independence. But that is not the main point of this film. Like that's you get to watching it. And while that does take up, what, 45 minutes, maybe there's Halfway through the movie. It's like, all right, let's you're done. Like if thing. you want to write a movie strictly on stealing the Declaration of Independence, you should have done that. And clearly it felt like you were going for that. And then we get to like, OK, now we got to get to Philadelphia. Now we got to go to New York. Now we're actually getting to the Freemason Knights Templar treasure like that's this. The focus should have been on the Knights Templar treasure and a little bit more of that. But it's so front loaded talking about how great it's going to be to steal the Declaration of Independence. It, it it feels like the pacing is incredibly off here. And I think that ruins the vision of the entire film altogether. Right. Because the heist, like the heist is like in the first half of the movie, right? It's like yeah. in, the, in like the first or yeah. second act. And so after that, it's like, okay, well... We we like we already got what we came here for, so now what? Um, but like, you know, so all the other things they do are not as impressive. Um, I kind of want to go back to you know, what you're saying. It takes them like 30 years just to do the Charlotte thing, right? Which is like yeah. crazy. So I was watching this and I was thinking this would probably make a more interesting like young adult novel, and maybe if like the Ben Gates character was maybe in his like mid. 20s or something closer to riley's age and he needs someone who's older with more money to fund him i think that would maybe make it a little more believable that like you know he didn't spend so much time going after just one clue you know i think um you know you can make it more of a fantasy element too uh you know having someone like maybe younger playing this part I would pay a lot of money to see Nicolas Cage acting like a teenager or a college kid. <laughs> a I, uh, different actor, like not the like, same actor. <laughs> I want Nicolas Cage acting like doing TikTok dances. Hey, my fellow kids. They are kids. planning. <laughs> they are. Hey, hey everybody. Uh, they are planning on, in addition to a third movie, I, I read that they are planning on doing like younger kid version on Disney Plus, like a ver- uh, show. Of this, so I sure. guess they're listening to you, JJ. As we uh, yeah. as we record this, um, Anola Holmes trailer just came out. Millie Bobby Brown. How fun would it be to have her 
do all of this. It'd be great. And then she um, teams up with a Nicolas Cage who, via CGI, a.k.a. the Irishman, uh, all of the Irishman, I mean to say, we're going to age him down to uh, Millie Bobby Brown's current age. And uh, they're going to do this together in what can only be described as a train wreck and really see how this goes. Sounds like a nightmare to me. Do you think Enola is going to be a train wreck? Oh no! I think Enola. Inge- I think Enola will be really fun. I don't know. I-, I saw the trailer and it looked like a lot of fun. I think that's going to be great. Um, I think the train wreck comes from <laughs> Millie Bobby Brown taking all the weight while Nicolas Cage aged down to like what fourteen? <laughs> or just his face? Warwick. His face superimposed onto like a fourteen-year-old's body. That's no, like, right they're doing now. like will... yeah, they're doing Hardy Boys shit. Like just trying to. I'm like... not going to get any sleep with that image in my mind. <gasps> I want him deep faked, the face deep faked onto this kid. I just oh want that. I want, Warwick, I want Warwick Davis's body and Nick Cage's face deep faked on. Are you hearing Netflix? This is gold, I tell you. Gold. You got to watch out what you put on the universe, man. But like, yeah, there, there is definitely a, um, like I said, a, a Hardy Boys, Nancy Drew heist feel to this. It does, it's, right. It's, That's why I'm saying more like this has more of like a young adult novel feel. I mean, in fact, you know, this is the same production company that did also like holes the previous year right also john voight was in that too and uh that actually is pretty good movie. i love that movie with shia uh, yeah exactly greatest adaptation one of the greatest like adapted the book perfectly yeah oh yeah. i agree and oh, yeah. so that's like i feel like this you know that that like early 2000s walt disney logo you know like it's kind of like a I don't know sepia logo you know against a dark background i feel like that sort of thing was like the very family friendly thing that could have like been translated from like young adult material you know so that's why i feel like maybe a younger actor would have like you know helped people suspend their disbelief a little more about this personally um that another in another universe yeah and and i wonder if like within that universe maybe that helps our pacing problem because instead of waiting 30 years for uh ben gates to get the riddle He's, I don't know how old he is when he is talking to his grandfather, probably 10 years old for the sake of the conversation. Uh, mm-hmm. What if he turns 18 and he like gets to go on this big exploration to the Arctic? Like how cool would or that maybe have been? Like, like maybe like mid to late 20s. So he's like five or six years out of college, you know, yeah. or whatever, out of like grad school or something like and then he just had to just had to get the the money for it. You just know? Ha- that yeah, kind of <laughs> gotta make gotta make those college payments. So I'm gonna yeah. go out to the Arctic and try to find a. Gotta big get ship. Sean Bean to help me out here. Um, and that's what I should have done. Instead I knew of, your father. That's what I should have done. Sh- like, that's what we should have done instead of getting jobs, guys. We should have like found an old old boat and then found treasure, and that's how we would have paid off our loans. Oh, you know, also like they blowed that boat up, and I'm like, you know, there's probably a lot of historical significance on that boat that you just blew the shit out. Or how about at the, how about closer to the end where they're getting to the Knights Templar temple, the Knights Templar um, stash, and there was that, um, I don't remember his name, but there was that historic revolutionary figure who had the, um, had the mausoleum, had his coffin under Trinity Church, and they just took a sledgehammer to it. Like, oh. okay, I get why the Declaration of Independence is so important, but but you're going to just be willy-nilly on all this other stuff? They desecrated that man's, like, tomb, and then they decimated, um, they, sorry, desecrated. They desecrated his tomb, and then they desecrated another one coming out like, they have done some serious property damage to this very historical church. For that alone is serious jail time. Like, real serious. 
Um, but, but when Harvey Keitel's running things, you get away. You can get away with a lot. You know, Harvey Keitel, I thought was doing like a lesser version of like Winston Wolf in Pulp Fiction. Like I kind of, he kind of had like a similar sort of thing yeah. going on. Uh, but like I had just way less energy to it. And did he turn out to be like? a mason at the end was he wearing like one of those like mason rings i think so yeah what kind of like twist is that like oh he's willing to like forgive nicholas cage because he's like aware of this whole thing i don't know that was just harvey keitel's wife has been bugging him for a new edition of the house and he goes to his agent and his agent says you're not a star anymore you're a character supporting actor (laughs) like what do you got what do you got for me yeah i think he's a great actor but it was a surprise. It was a surprise to see him, and always a pleasant one. But yeah, so uh, for me, it was like out of left field. I mean, yeah. I think the lesson of that scene is, kids, if you want to get away with stuff in this country, be part of a secret organization, fraternal group, eating club, whatever you. It's all about networking. Because <laughs> if it's you want to, if you want to get up, if you want to get away with supreme historical um, desecration, uh, just find a way to get into the Masons or get on their good side. <laughs> Now, um, in terms of, like, also the production value, I did like that, like, stair, that old stair, like, winding thing underneath the church. Yeah. That looked very cool. That was, like, probably the best set piece in the movie. Um, But I thought the set designs were great all around the ship. Right. And, again, like, that's what you expect from this production company, right? They invest a lot in the production value. You know, I mean... At the end of the day, you know, you should always make sure you have a solid script before you invest a ton of money in like the production. But regardless, they do make really cool sets, and that was one of them. So that was at least impressive. Um, but I do have a thing, you know, they do two fake outs of there's no treasure, right? Like they get when they first get to the landing and there's the lantern. I get the first fake out is to fool Sean Bean. I get that. Then they press a button, they go in, and then they do a second fake out, like. I'm not a fan of even one fake out, especially when it's obvious. It's like they're gonna, there's gonna be a treasure. This movie is not smart enough to be like, oh, the treasure was in your heart the whole time. There's, it's not that kind of movie. There's gonna be a treasure. Just get there already. So two fake outs. It was a waste of time. You guys are smarter about this than I am. Is that another part of the Bruckheimer formula? Because in Pirates of the Caribbean, they do like fake outs with the. Oh wait, am I confusing the second one though with Davy Davy Jones Heart? That that's the second one. But like I'm that's a fake out. Yeah. That, but that's yeah, yeah, that's the second one. I'm trying to remember in Curse of the Black Pearl if there were similar ones like that. It just feels like that that was like part of that action adventure Bruckheimer esque equation. But I agree with you, JJ. It got when when we got to the second one, which was still a beautiful room with a couple of candelabras waiting for him, and we had to have this moment of John Voigt going, like, I'm still proud of you, regardless of what you did. It's like, oh, okay, can we just get to the physical treasure? We don't have to do this whole morality play right now. Like that's nice. I guess they want to resolve the whole thing with like the dad and son, you know, uh but again, like the audience might be dumb enough to follow most of this, but we're not that dumb. Like, you know, just get to the next room. Okay. We know it's there. It's just, it's killing 10 minutes. It's like killing. It's like you could have done this whole, for what it's worth, I'm proud of you. And you don't need to learn the fortune. You could have done this before they almost died on the winding staircase or in the, in the room when they're trying to figure out how to open it after confusing the antagonist. You had to do it like here. You had to like kill another 10 minutes before we got there. Um, you know, lighting mm-hmm. torches that clearly would not light if they were 200 years old. 
like seamless. Yeah. Like yeah. just like they they barely even hold the torches to the its other ones, and they just it's like the whole thing is just waiting for them. The river so of I, fire is still like flammable after all this time. Yeah, yeah, like totally uh, seamless there. It was goofy. Um, so then you have this treasure, right? You get the payoff of the treasure at the end, and like. A lot of these are probably like stolen from the cultures that they're from, right? You have like a bunch of stuff from like all over the world. Right. Um and there's like a really weird moment for me where Riley hugs like the Egyptian statue man. Like, what was up with that? That kinda always bugged me, right? He's like, Huh, a blue green man with the weird goatee. That's cool. And then he hugs him. Like what what that was just like so bizarre to me. It took me out of it. I, I, yeah, it was just a very goofy moment. And then I, I read this from like uh, the goofs on IMDb, but uh, full disclosure. But I, I then went back and was like, oh, yeah, it's like that. When he hugs that statue, it kind of wobbles back and forth, even though it's supposed to basically be made out of like heavy jade. So <laughs> there's no way that thing would like wobble by itself. It just made it look fake. I don't know if that was like an improv moment. And they were like, we, we've run out of film. Let's just let's just keep that in there or something. like I that. guess when they were Justin. Yeah, what Justin, you need to be funnier. You need like we are we need just add some say something funny. I mean, between that and then the second fake out, maybe like as they were editing the movie, they're like, you know, this the runtime's a little shorter than we wanted it to be. So uh actually let's not cut out these scenes that we were going to. Or maybe they need to um, give him something, like they all needed to take something from the fortune. Like, you know, um the gates boys dad and son their takeaway is like they found their legacy with um abigail chase it's finding those uh scrolls and without even reading one she knows that they're the scrolls from the lighthouse of alexandria she did not look into what was said on them there wasn't some big plaque that said scroll she just knew from the top of off the top of her head oh these have to be the scrolls from lighthouse of alexandria and we don't have anything for riley to do because he's a dum-dum so let's go ahead and just have him hug a statue and insult it for looking different than him you absolutely you racist with abigail chase she's just that good she just she just knows you know an artifact when she when she sees it she's that much of a professional so um you know i'm trying to think how much they keep saying that this is like a you know billions of dollars this treasure right like it's like a 10 billion dollar thing and um yeah that makes sense because then at the end when the guy when Riley's like griping like i got the one stinking percent, half a percent. And I did the math. Like, if it was worth a billion dollars, half a percent is still five million dollars. So I, I would be satisfied. Yeah, with that's that Ferrari percent. money. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Ooh, he's like looking hot now. Is he broke in the sequel? Um, yes. Sorry. Yes, he. Um, he's not. I'm trying to remember. Yes, he's broke because they do. All right, real quick, they do this like really dumb thing within the first 15 minutes where his car gets towed. And he's not able to take it back. And the IRS get on him because he he says this all to Nicolas Cage's character in like 30 seconds. He mentions how the IRS takes his money because apparently his accountant put it in like some illegal um, uh, fake island account. Like kind of like what do they call those um, off uh, offshore 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 account. Thank you. Yes. Offshore account. But the island was fake. So now he owes the government more than he was given. So, JJ, you were right. He got five million and he owes the IRS six million. So he he immediately starts out poor. But okay, that's another reason why I didn't. Not that I was like super invested in this character or anything, but uh, I had a feeling that the sequel would probably start off by shitting on at least like one or two characters that you know, like oh, you know how they turned out, you know, better off at the end of the movie. 
Well, now they're off worse. They're, so. they're both both uh, Gates and Riley are worse than when they came off. I'm just going to say it right now. Spoilers for anybody who didn't want to uh, get spoiled about what happens in the second film. Uh, Riley writes a whole book and no one gives a shit about it. He calls himself a treasure hunter and no and everyone just knows Gates and not him. And Gates and Chase uh, break up and um, what? I, I don't know. Like Gates gets called out in the middle of a presentation about his. Um, Great grandfather supporting the Confederacy. By Ed, if you by Ed Harris, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. By Ed Harris, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's because he's the Ooh. I forget their last name, Wilmington or something like that. But they're the uh, he's part of the Confederate family that had the Notebook from John Wilkes Booth. And if you want to know more, uh-huh. check out uh, National Treasure Two Two Book of Secrets on Apple, uh, Apple Disney Plus, <laughs> Apple TV. Wrong. He has four times. Um, well, Guys, well, why did you turn problem. off my Zoom? Uh, anyways, <laughs> thanks for joining us, Dan. <laughs> A E F G L O R V Y. Anagrams being listed. Okay. Top results a glove fry, a very golf, Fargo Levy, uh, gravy flow, Valley Frog, also uh, Ago Fly Rev, uh, Grove Fly, uh, R Fly Gov, Air of Fly Gov, Elf. It's Valley Forge. Valley Forge? I don't have that on my computer. It's Valley Forge. She pressed the NL twice. Valley Forge was a turning point in the American Revolution. Can I marry your brain? Um, yeah, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they uh, eventually make that third movie. Um, well, I did ask you, JJ, you already kind of told us your idea for a third. Uh, I did ask, like, because they're making a third movie, what do we have in mind what, what what do we imagine the third movie to be and jj i don't know if you saw this but dan wrote a very detailed movie uh that i wanted a real-time I, reaction so I, I didn't read it yet but you know dan we we will get into that but i because mine is only like two sentences my it, dan puts mine to shame uh but my idea is uh the roanoke colony Yes. Uh, oh. I think I, I it's so much I, better I think, than my idea. <laughs> no, yours. Uh, I can't wait to read yours. Uh, but like the and also Gates has to go missing or something like that. Make I want crazy Nicolas Cage. Maybe Zach Galifianakis in there somewhere, shape or form. I don't know. Maybe he's like the bad guy treasure hunter, but he's quirky. Oh, uh, <laughs> sorry. Real quick though, but, in the second movie, is Nick Cage at least a little more interesting? Because he did like kind of go off the rails just a couple years after the first one. I mean, he emotes more. I'll say that much. Uh, there is like uh, again, a little bit of spoilers, but not really. They go to Buckingham Palace uh, to figure something out from Queen Victoria's uh, desk, which is known as the. Oh wow, I'm forgetting the name because I told I told myself I'd 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 try to. Um, remember as little as i can from the second movie so i don't fuck up my facts about the first movie but there's these like two desks shared by the president queen victoria so he like tries to start a scene and he just freaks the fuck out it's really funny to watch so he does emote a little bit more in the second film gotcha gotcha okay um so sorry keith continue i mean it, it it really is that i just want like maybe if they did have a kid, he would be like a Millie Bobby Brown or f- get one of the Stranger Things kids. Uh, they're searching for his dad. He went off to to where the island of Rowan. Like he, he's, Gates is trying to find what happened to the Roanoke Colony. Uh, mm-hmm. may, uh, maybe it could be Finn Wolfhard. Maybe it's the whole Stranger Thing cl- uh, group back together. It'd be um, funny if like 
basically, yeah, he's gone missing and he's left clues himself for his like children yes. to find. But at that point, it's just like, you know, he's missing. We're concerned about him. He should have just said where he is instead of giving us cryptic clues that make us brush up on our history lessons here. Maybe he's being hunted or something like, like uh, it, it has okay. to be it, it, it has to be disnified. But I always wanted like I think uh, in terms of national American mystery treasure, the Roanoke colony is prime for the take. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And I, I also love the idea very much so about talking about the ancient law, not ancient, lost Roanoke colony. And I love the idea of being able to add to it, sort of pepper in that their disappearance had something to do with a fortune again. Like it had something to do with like they might have been carrying some great fortune when they were being persecuted as Puritans. And yeah. then they came over to the Roanoke Island and one way or another it was taken from them and or they disappeared. But th now the kids have to find it because the second movie basically just copy and paste an idea about fortune. And so did the first movie, kind of. I mean, you know, Freemason treasure. We're just going to, you know, write that in somewhere because they founding fathers had a connection to Freemasonry. But um, but Roanoke Island gold, that that would be a real fun that's a summertime movie okay so so i'm I, right. I think that's good but dan i'm excited also to hear what your idea is it's not as good as the roanoke island idea so i got no, like no, no, no. Come on. I, I got really excited and um you know just so you understand my uh insanity i'm okay don't worry about me but i had i haven't um done too many projects during this our quarantine that we're going through and this just kind of fueled my fire so i wrote about just a page and change of an idea um, I thought what might be fun, and if you guys don't want to do this, I'll just re read it, but would you guys mind taking a paragraph? So, Keith, would you do, like, the second paragraph? JJ, you do the third, and I'll do the first and last? Oh, sure. Let me just pull it up Okay. Because I think this will be a little bit more palatable for the listeners if it was uh, not just my weird voice. <laughs> All right. Now, this will be a fun uh, little exercise here. Okay, cool. Okay. So, so Keith, wait, what's the order again? It's so, Keith. I'll do the... I'll do the first. Keith, please do the second. JJ, if you wouldn't mind doing the okay. third, and then I'll do the last one, and so I'll, I'll bookend it. Gotcha. All okay. the President's Bones is the subtitle. Yes, All it right. is. And uh, again, just going to make a quick uh, gentle reminder to the listener. Um, I'm not saying all of my facts here were exactly perfect. I did a little research, but not a lot. So let's just uh, follow in the milieu of uh, National Treasure, shall we? Are we all ready? I guarantee, I guarantee you did more research than the writers of the first movie. That's so. very kind of you. I looked on Wikipedia twice. Uh, <laughs> that's very <laughs> kind of you. All right. National Treasure 3, All the President's Bones. <laughs> <laughs> setting washington dc new jersey and surrounding areas the year is 2027 20 years after the events of national treasure 2 book of secrets ben gates and abigail chase settle down in the historic home of charles carroll and have a family they are blessed by three perfect boys who are now 20 years old and currently students in the field of american history there's john hancock gates played by dan conroy the handsome charming son who often gets out of scrapes merely by his good looks his catchphrase is it's not my fault i'm so kissable by the way oh. When your catchphrase comes up, please say it. There's okay. Thomas Jefferson Gates, played by Keith St. Lawrence, the funny practical jokester son who's always in for a laugh. His catchphrase is some sort of noise or onomatopoeia, like... Shabadoodle or... Frizz Fraz Razzmatazz. The third is Alexander Hamilton Gates, played by J.J. Focaraccio. Yes. The serious, no-nonsense son of the group who is always trying to keep everything in order. His catchphrase is... Le leave this one to me, you boneheads. <laughs> 
Unfortunately, none of the sons inherited the raw intelligence or problem-solving skills of their parents, making the length of this film somewhat in the ballpark of four to five hours. <laughs> All right. Pause. You basically, we're basically combining National tre Treasure with the Three Stooges. You're welcome. <laughs> All right. The story. The three boys are presenting at a new exhibit space at Princeton University, showcasing the life of their great-great-grandfather, Charles Carroll Gates, the one who was a young boy when his father, Thomas Gates, was shot at at the beginning of the second movie. After the death of his father, Charles becomes close with the Grant family and would be a personal valet of President Ulysses Grant during his time in Long Branch, New Jersey, which Grant declared the nation's summer capital in 1869. However, midway through the presentation, they are interrupted by Mr. Iliad Grant, the last surviving heir of the Grant family and the de facto president of the Dark Web, played by our friend of the podcast, Bobby O'Rourke. <laughs> yeah! Sh shout out to Bobby. He presents the personal diary of John Adam Gates, the boy's great-grandfather, that lays out what appears to be a plan to rob the graves of several U.S. presidents in act of treason. Uh, this discovery threatens to once again smear the Gates family name. All right. That's so, actually pretty cool. All right. Yeah, I'm, I'm like in. Oh, so calling upon the assistance of their parents, their grandparents, John Voight and Helen Mirren, and current U.S. Vice President Riley Poole, <laughs> Vice President, the boys discover the reason behind John Adams Gates' desire to find the graves of these presidents. In 1877, shortly before the end of his term, President Grant passed through the houses of uh, a secret bill into law that formally recognized the bones of dead presidents as legal currency. Grant believed. <laughs> okay, that explains the title. Grant believed and, and honored the then unwritten rule of the two-term presidential limit, but believed that monetizing the bones of deceased presidents would allow those civil servants to continue serving their country and its people, and its people long after they were gone. Grant, having formed a close bond with young Charles Gates, told him of this law that would only be known to presidents. Charles passed this knowledge down to his son, John Adams Gates, who, by a series of clues, uncovered information of a mausoleum containing the remains of seven former U.S. presidents. Considering the extremely high value of these bones placed on the U.S. government, a single pinky finger, for example, has the value of $5 million. This mausoleum is, in reality, a hidden treasure. A series wow, of... Frizz, frazz, razzmatazz. Oh, my... Geez. It's not my fault I'm so kissable. A series Boneheads. of... <laughs> Boneheads. A series of clues early in the film leads the group to Grant's tomb on the Upper West Side of New York City, leading the three boys to say simultaneously, we're going to steal Grant's bones. They have to work fast, as Iliad Grant is right on their heels, hoping to take the treasure for himself. Once they raid Grant's tomb, they are pursued by the FBI as the final mission of Special Agent Peter Sadusky, played by Harvey Keitel. The yes. clues will eventually lead them to Seven Presidents Park in Long Branch, but because of their ineptitude, this will take forever. And that's <laughs> when I stopped writing, because I was like, all right, you figure it out after that, you nerds. All right. Uh -huh. I like the idea that Dan all these all these treasures like are just in New York City. Like they're all there. I suggest that when they do come back for when they actually do decide to make a national treasure three, that we come back and actually really get into the deep with this. We actually kind of make our own movie. We have to come back and do like a Spanish special bonus episode of trying to like we go from Act One to Act Five. And really dig into the dirt. I, Dan, 
props to you. Yeah, Thank Dan, you. This, is, this is this is awesome. And I kind of want amazing. I kind of want to maybe even make this in like the vein of like Lethal Weapon five and six. You know? Oh <laughs> just, yeah, just like, like the goofiest shit in the world. Doing, yeah, like a shoestring sort of thing. Uh, I also had an idea if we wanted to integrate outer space still using my idea. We yeah. found out that <laughs> the Washington Monument is a spaceship. I love that idea. Like, and you launch that into space. You know what's funny is that, like, the great thing about... I think that's a great idea, JJ. I want to implement it. I think one thing I learned about watching these two films is that the more, un- like, unnecessary layers of clues you bring to this, the better. So what if they go to Seven Presidents Park, right? They try to look for the bones. They're not there. Then they learn from... I don't know, like clue number 55, that John F. Kennedy, before he was assassinated, set up a space program to put all the president's bones in space. And the Washington Monument is a space shuttle. So now it's a literal space race and they have to go up there and that's where the treasure is. That'd be great. I would be down for that. My my two suggestions are, one, we're all going to have to dress up like Ed, uh, not Ed Hardy, uh, the Hardy boys, Mm -hmm. 1960s. We're going to have to wear those khaki shorts Oh, with like love sweater it. vests. Yes. Love it. Yes. And two, we ne- we need a talking pet. I don't know what. Maybe it could be. Yes. <laughs> it should be an eagle. Can't be too big. It should be an eagle. <laughs> yeah. Oh. What's the eagle's name Can though? It be Sam the. Can it be Sam? Because it's a Disney movie, it has to be Sam the eagle. Can we? Oh yeah, because the they're Muppets. they got Muppets. Yeah, so we can take Sam the eagle and use him in this. I, oh my gosh! <laughs> he, Notoriously he, not a very drag- animated Muppet. He is very like he's usually the downer of the group. Really, <laughs> if anything, he's the one that keeps us in check, and he watches. He t- he makes sure he uh, makes sure no one is coming. He watches the door. Yeah, but he he's very begrudgingly comes along because he, he cares. For, he cares about. He's us. probably he's trying to keep us out of trouble. If anything, like you boys, I was tasked with making sure you stay out of danger. He's and he's probably JJ's pet, like out of the three boys, and he always says stuff like, "I don't know about." Th- I can't do Sam the Eagle, but you know what I mean. Like, <laughs> I don't know about this, boys. Yeah, yeah. I don't oh, know what he yeah, sounds like. Sure. <laughs> and then once in a while, like I don't know, he trips or something. But um, so <laughs> I I I like. <laughs> I'm going to like fantasize about this for quite some time. Um, <laughs> that's I, that's the highest honor. Thank you, JJ. I I really do I, love this. Um, but thank you. I just uh just to get back though. Sure, sure. To the movie, you know, this is again like a divided film. We're kind of up and down, right? I think we we enjoy a lot of the aspects of it just from like maybe a more like um, surface level point of view, right? While also recognizing that the story is really ridiculous. Um. Uh, but you know, what do you think? Do you think there's anything else to it that lends itself more to, like, uh, a critical dislike and uh, more of an audience, you know, favoring it? Like, is there, like, you know, what is there anything else to it? You know, that that lends itself to this divide. Uh, the critics, I feel like, really kind of saw the, the dumb, like the ones that liked it saw it as a guilty pleasure. The other ones were like, this is stupid. And, and they've and and audiences don't see as much movies as critics do. Critics kind of like they're seeing movies like this. This one is not impressing them. Audiences just kind of want to get out of the hot sun and watch a fun movie. That that's just my. I agree with that. And um, <clears throat> excuse me, don't cut that out. All the all the coughs. Um, I agree with that, Keith. And uh, on top of that as well. I think I think we already know this that critics are going to be 
as the name implies, more critical about the little things that they could have done differently, uh, the filmmakers and the screenwriters and the directors. And to that extent, I feel like with this movie, a consensus among critics was you could have made this smarter, put a little bit more elbow grease into the pacing, the um, factual possibilities, you know, and not have made it as so um, incredulous. And it would have gotten better points for that. Whereas the yes. general audience, by the way, myself included, don't really care about that. They're having a good time. Like you said, Keith, they're trying to get out of the sun. It's action-packed. It's got stars you love. It's it's a good time. You're not sitting there like what I was doing, like pausing every 15 seconds, looking up on Wikipedia whether or not that was actually <laughs> Charles Carroll's house in Annapolis, Maryland. Like, we're not actually I'm doing not this. Yeah. But... Um, Obviously, from I'm not condemning or condoning either. It it kind of just is what critics watch a lot of movies, and audiences just wanted to have fun. Yeah, I they're am curious though if this movie would still be as liked by audiences if it was released like later on. That's why I still think it was released at just the right time because if it was released later on, I think audiences have gotten more cynical, and this is maybe towards the end of the time where audiences were willing to believe pretty much almost anything that was suggested, uh, like in terms of a his historical inaccuracies or whatever it is. I think, so, I think the ability to look up something as quickly as we do might have contributed to that. I don't really know because, you know, as we saw from the movie, people could have easily like gone on, you know, websites that even weren't Wikipedia and learn all the things they wanted to from their laptops, even in 2004. Um, but there was this feeling of like, okay, in 2004, you were very rooted in like real names, real historical places, real events. And then in the second movie, it was all about like the city of gold. Like you really just threw it to the, threw caution to the wind and mm -hmm. like really brought an actual myth, an urban legend. It's like if they said this was the grave of Paul Bunyan. Like it's like you could have just like done that. But I, guess I, I, that, I don't know. To that, uh, to that maybe it's like they were just on the edge right in the first movie yeah uh, on on a unbelievability like you know kind of maybe like you know teetering over the edge and then they just dove headfirst into the abyss of total like you know absurdity i think there's a thing about historical inaccuracies in anything like books movie tv maybe more so movie tv than books where like if it's only a little bit off you'll have an audience member just go like, eh, that's close. Like, they'll say to themselves, I, I could check that, but what? it sounds good. It sounds good enough. Whereas if it was something completely off, then they would go check it. So I feel like with the first movie, there was quite a bit of that. You know, Nick Cage does have this sort of way about him where he does sound like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, credible, you know? Yeah, like if he, he, yeah, say, yeah. he says it in a way where I'm like, it sounds believable coming out of him, you know, maybe. And that's why they want him to be a little more straight laced in this movie. If they made him sound too much of a kook, then it would be harder for the audience to, to follow along with his logic. You heard it here first. JJ says that Nick Cage is a good actor. I, he can be a good actor. I've seen him do very well in a lot of movies. But, you know, unfortunately, two years after this movie, he comes out with The Wicker Man. And I think that was like the beginning of the and end. And Ghost Rider. Yeah, uh, Ghost yeah, Rider yeah. is in this decade too. Oh, okay. That's that's when his hair went like full jet black in like Wicker Man, and that's when you know he had completely lost his mind. But you know, we still this was like just at the end. That's like another 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 testament to like just the right time. This the came tail out end just of the before. Tail end of the sanity. Wouldn't I give for those moonstruck years? 
Oh, don't. <laughs> I, I've seen Moonstroke with my parents probably like like 15 times. Oh, it's perfect. It's amazing. When he's talking about how he lost his hand making bread one morning for, what was it, for a wedding? I love it. Yeah, yeah. No, oh. that's that's great. That's great stuff from him. Um, Adaptation, rating, Raising Arrows. Uh, he's a good, he is a good actor. Yeah. He is. Who, don't buy an island or name, or don't buy like Gorilla Bones or a haunted house, right? Shit. Then we, I think we mentioned like, that in a recent episode. And he buy like a haunted house down in, uh, in like, like New Orleans <laughs> or something. He bought, uh, maybe that, not, I, not in a recent episode, that but I talked about I that with someone recently. I had um that movie I want to see Nicolas Cage's Haunted House. I had a friend who worked in a comic book store in New York like and they had also like you know a bunch of you know uh what do they call them Funko Pop figurines and all that other stuff posters and shit. And so um she said uh, a person that she saw on the regular was Nicolas Cage would come in with his son and would buy I don't know easily $10,000 worth of things cuz he's Nicolas Cage. And, uh, you know, just like crazy expensive comics, like the ones that cost like $500 first editions and shit and mm-hmm. uh, other like huge amounts of figurines and stuff. And uh, wouldn't say a word, would barely look anybody in the eye, would pay for his stuff and then go away. And he would do this like, I think, like a couple times a year. OK, well, Th- nothing, know, nothing really big about that story. I just wanted to say it. It was kind of cool. You know, he likes to he likes to throw that money around. You know, he can only do that for so long. Um, he loves Superman. Yeah, then does this movie deserve more or fewer points for not killing Sean Bean? This is like one of the few things he he's in that he doesn't die. Because it's a Disney film, I'm going to give it points for not killing him. <laughs> I don't know. I'm pa- I'm pausing cuz like I'm trying to I'm trying to think of the other I'm trying to think of like the other advocate, like the devil's advocate that's like, "Oh, wouldn't it have been great if like the wood from the failing staircase had crushed him or if he or like that part where you want him to fall in the deep deep hole like the elevator did." And I'm like, I'll give a if they do it, if they do it fine enough, I understand they want to do the whole arrest thing because that's credit towards being a family film. And I understand why they did that. You know, this is a Disney action film that you want to bring your kids to when you can't go to the beach because it's raining. You know, you don't want it to get too dark. So they did have they did have one guy. They did have one guy fall all the way down that abyss. And I'd like to think. Right. That's it's an infinite abyss. And he's still falling to this day. I don't mind him getting arrested. I just remember thinking like it happened so suddenly and very anticlimactic. I'm like, yeah, oh, that's true. I, I, it was almost like an afterthought. Yeah. It's like, oh yeah, there's this guy. Uh, and actually, I was thinking about it too. And for a movie that's so big on like the history of the American Revolution, it's like only in Boston for like a hot second. You would think that maybe before going to New York, they'd go to Boston and then come back or something. Because like Boston is like the birthplace of the american revolution you know that's like the first city you think of so i just thought that was kind of interesting like you get philly you get dc but like you don't really get boston they should have done more clues that i feel like that would have been great to um flex out the movie more spend more time in the historic cities and you know spend less time on the whole declaration thing like yes i understand that was the most epic moment but um i would again if you're gonna go this whole american revolution course and like have us go back to like high school you know civics history then show more of it like let's go see john hancock's counting house let's go see paul revere's home uh take me to the big dig um i want to get some baked beans let's get more of those like yeah colonies you know you go to basically just three cities in this movie so it's not really like a national treasure it's more of just kind of like an east coast treasure yeah if if you're ever the optimist like i am with all the disney 
uh, plus that we have been promoting free by the way <laughs> yeah geez uh, wink wink uh that that they are listening and taking notes of what national treasure three might be right? more, more like east coast like elitist treasure am i right guys <laughs> <laughs> yeah geez um uh, just to be a little uh you know uh bring up some current event issues you know once in a while i don't know Look, stairs. Okay, so uh, I think now we can come to a point where we can, uh, you know, give our personal scores for Mm -hmm. National Treasure. You know, it's tough because, you know, these kind of movies, it's like, you know, separating the critical from the personal, you know, whichever route you want to go, that's fine. But, you know, that's essentially like, you know, critic or audience basically so you know we'll have to sort that out so dan what what do you think if you want to start us off what what would be your percentage approval rating for national treasure you know i was thinking about this because last time i was on here i gave a generous um i gave a generous rating to armageddon because i said it was it's great as a roller coaster it would have been great as a stunt show at universal studios and as a movie you know, again, it's it's only half that because in the theaters it'll be a half-baked adventure. But then once you get on your TV, like my small TV or my laptop, it's no longer – it's got nothing to it. Mm-hmm. In this case, it's a little bit different. It's not exactly the ride that Armageddon was. And it's also even not the ride that Pirates of the Caribbean was. But it definitely is like kind of this experience that you get. Um, I stand by what I said about it being very close to a Disney made-for-TV movie, Disney Channel original movie, and I think that, you know, this would have been top of the list of everyone who did grow up with those if it was that. I'm going to give it a 65%. I'm going to give it 10% less relatively, right, because it's got 76% on Rotten Tomatoes? Yeah, with the audience. With the audience. So I'm going to go 10, I'm going to go 11% less than the audience, and I'm going to give it like a 65%. Um, It's ridiculous. The acting across the board, I mean, short of like um, uh, John Voight, Christopher Plummer. Um, oh, my God. Who who plays uh, Chase again? Abigail Chase. I'm so sorry. Oh, hold on. Uh, uh, Diane Kruger. Oh, Diane Kruger's amazing. I think Diane Kruger's really fun. I love her energy when she's trying to get it back and try to steal it back. Uh, yeah, I like her performance. Yeah. Her performance is good, too. Um, but it's just it, there's there's also just a lot of shoddy performance in between that, unfortunately. And it, it, it does like really realm on the side of ridiculous. So, again, you really have to kind of turn off that part of your brain to have a lot of fun. But once you do that, your kids are going to have fun. All your kids up until the age of about. I'm going to say 15, 14 years old, are going to have a really good time with this film. You're going to walk away like me and my friend Bryce did. We bought extra large cherry Cokes. We drank them all in there. We didn't go to pee because we didn't want to miss anything, and we had a really good time. So that's the kind of time they're going to have. As an adult, you're going to, like, groan at a few moments, but it's going to, like, return you to, like, the same feeling you had when they were swashbuckling on the on the boat on Curse of the Black Pearl. So 65%, it's really nothing to write home about. You won't really want to rewatch it at home, but the theater experience will be enough. Okay. What do you think, Keith? Uh, yeah, well, wow, we really dissected this movie, gentlemen. Uh, mm-hmm. I, it's passable. It's, it, it could have been better, but it's, as Dan, you said, it's fun to watch, and if you don't think about it, you're going to have a good time. 
the characters could have been a lot better. I don't think this movie doesn't make me excited to go back and rewatch it anytime soon, but I wouldn't be angry if it was on TV or if I did watch it. I'm going to give it a 67. Okay. Nice. I think, I think we're all going to be around the same ballpark. I was also thinking, you know, uh, I think for my score, I'll split the difference and just do 66 and that'll be like the average because that's almost the devil day, JJ. (laughs) 666 will be my score. Uh, uh, yeah. Hey, you know, those, those Masons, they might've, uh, I don't know if they were also devil worshipers. You never know. Let's start a new theory. Uh, (laughs) yeah, come on. Uh, but I think that, uh, you know, you're basically getting what you pay for, right? I think whether you're a critic or an audience member, you know, the movie that you're expecting going into this is pretty much the movie that you're getting. Sure, maybe like the declaration stealing happens like maybe earlier than you anticipate. But I think for the most part, you know, it accomplishes its goals. It's not aiming totally low. It is a very like, you know, competently made movie. And, you know, I do want to bring up, we didn't talk about Dan Kruger too much. But I think she's probably the most interesting character because she has at least an arc, right? At first, she's like yeah. against this whole thing, and then you see her getting convinced, you know, as she sees like the codes on the back and stuff. And uh, I think she also adds to just the believability of this. Like she's in it, you know, as like the skeptic turned believer. She brings the so facts I, that this uh, movie needed more of. Yeah, I. The only thing is, like, do you do you guys really like buy into? Uh, their like chemistry you know because they, they wind up together at the end I, I kind of i feel like i was maybe a little thrown in there you know just for kicks i don't know i maybe <laughs> right away like less than like a day of knowing each other they're getting changed in a store and nick cage oh, oh, don't, is like don't forget that uh ad placement jj it's an urban outfitters urban outfitters all right and uh he's also telling her to shut up at, like <laughs> you shut up would you shut up like yeah that was awkward but then like 12 hours later they're in a store getting chains next to each other and he's like have you ever told someone i love you <laughs> it's like whoa 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 where is this coming from <laughs> that wasn't your family it's just go yeah <laughs> like, like where's this, this like in high school suddenly i, I didn't be- i didn't believe it at all i just felt like they needed to shoehorn in um a love interest because that's what we do with movies so we yeah, just right? have is... to follow follow all those beats yeah. you know but uh heaven forbid riley falls in love <laughs> no way he's a weenie <laughs> National Treasure one. Three, baby. Yeah, there you go. Vice so yeah, I, I'll give it. I'll give it a sixty-seven. I remember actually, I, I had a good time watching it with my family a bunch of times. So maybe a little nostalgia there. Um, but yeah, if like you want maybe just a little adventure movie, uh, from back in the day, back from the mid two thousands, then this is probably the ticket. So, uh, you know, I think that will mean that we are officially siding with. The audience yeah. on National Treasure, and I think it's so. also too like I would I would show this to a younger like if I had a younger cousin or niece or nephew, and like you know they were around that age that I was when I went to go see it. I would I might show them National Treasure for like looking for a movie to watch on a rainy day or you know, I mean yeah, I know I, I know I, there's a million options out there, but this one right. it it didn't age so terribly that I feel like I'd avoid it altogether, and it's not complete trash in that way. Yeah, I think with the exception of Nick Cage telling Diane Kruger to shut up at one point, I think that, that wasn't great. Aged, mm. I think that has, I think it has aged fine for the most part. And you're, right, I think like as maybe as early as maybe like nine or ten, you know, you get a kid, give this kid um, like a you know a little adventure movie that maybe gives them a little to think about, you know, not too much. Uh, then yeah, this is also like maybe good for that. So um, all right, guys, uh. 
you know, we'll keep an eye out for National Treasure 3 when that eventually comes out. And we'll also continue to, to think about more of Dan's proposal, maybe flesh that we out one day. We'll definitely explore that. We'll definitely explore that one Feel day. Free to D- That's a good bonus episode. Feel free to DM uh, Keith or JJ uh, or Divided Films if you would like a copy of this for yourself. I'm happy to give it out. It means nothing. We could do like a little radio show about it or something. I don't know. Maybe we'll write a script and like oh, add special effects be, and stuff. Could we actually do like a radio, like uh, an old like Mercury radio show of the, if we do, if we all come together and write the script, that would make my day. Yeah, we could do it in parts. I'm totally you know? down for that. We'll yeah. do like like a mini series or something, National oh. Treasury 3. Um, Let's talk. This would be amazing. Bones. Oh, man. I'm getting excited just thinking about it. All right. But thanks, Dan, for coming back on. Guys, thank and, you. Yes. You know, we really enjoy having you back. Uh, we'll definitely have you back again, maybe for a movie that has better quality. I think we gave you two meatball movies uh, so far. Look, it's not, look, I love me some meatballs. So, guys, I just want to say thank you so much uh, for having me on again. This is always a delight and a half. Um, this is something I, I love working on when you give me the prompt and I work on it uh, for like a week solid because it's the most fun thing to do. So thank you yeah. guys so much again. This was awesome. That's great, Dan. You're a national treasure. Yeah, you so- are. You're the national treasure, Dan. And you guys are a, you guys are a book of secrets. <laughs> <laughs> all right, um, all right, Dan. Definitely love to have you on again another time. But uh, until then, guys, uh, join us for another divided film for another time. Thank you. Bye.